stories inside Excel. It's going to happen and it's going to be the best day of my life. Welcome to Trade Offs, where product habits Heaton Shaw and Profit Wells Patrick Campbell discuss tech through a product first mindset to inspire you to think differently. This week, they talk about multi product. This is the future. Multi product is the future. It already was the future, but it's starting to become the future more. Product expansion. If it's an easy product win, why wouldn't you slot it in and get it done? Knock it out, kind of thing. And tangential product functionality. If this market continues to develop the way it is, this could be a much larger product than Figma. Like, much, much larger product. Welcome back to Trade Offs. Heaton and I just talked for 90 minutes uh, without recording. We were trying not to record, so you guys don't get to hear our secrets, but lots of fun secrets were talked about. But we finally were like, no, we got to record because we got to talk about some dope stuff on the audio here. But Heaton, how you doing, man? How's life? I feel that's very disingenuous because we just talked for a bunch of time. But, but we didn't talk really about life. Tell a lot, the people. So, like, I'm doing good. I'm, I'm building a startup. So I'm, I'm in startup life and it's under 20 people and there's a ton of things to do. And Nobody to do them. So having the time of my life, living the dream. Tech company is so hot right now. All, I guess so. All the hotness. Yeah. 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 There was something someone said the other day. It's a classic cliche of like, you know, everyone wants to be a founder until they're a founder. And then they're like, what did I do? Like, then they want to be an investor. After. Come on. You got to get it right. Yeah. Oh, is that the actual phrase? I didn't hear that, that part. That's what that I would sense. say. That, that's my version of it. I don't know. That's the right version, which is yeah. like, everyone wants to be a founder until they become a founder. Then they want to be an investor. Someone should tweet that. Yeah. Shout out to investors, by the way, because I think that a lot of people crap on a lot of investors for no reason. Like a lot of them just like... They got money and you want that money. Of course you're going to crap on I know, on but... Them. It's like a but bank. They crap Don't on you them. crap on no, your no, bank? No, 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 totally. No, because it's a bank and who cares joking, anymore about joking. banks, right? Like, but um, no, it's interesting. Someone said something the other day. It might have been you actually, just around like, investors aren't dumb. People just assume they're dumb. Like there obviously are dumb investors, just like there's dumb founders and stuff. But like investors aren't dumb. Like they're there to get their return. And sometimes the strategy is spray and pray, but um, a lot of times the strategy isn't. And so like as long as you assume they're not dumb when you go into those conversations, it's smart. So it's interesting. Yeah, that's exactly what I did say to you. Is it what you said? I couldn't remember yeah, who said Yeah, when we were it. talking about your fundraising and, and how you're thinking about it. Yeah. We're not fundraising. Of course you're not. Um, no company's ever really fundraising. It's Come just on. a time. It's just time. When are they going to fundraise? That's what it is. That's right. I did have some really funny like envy uh, the other day, though, because there was this company that I've been not an official advisor, but like he probably would call me an advisor. But we've been talking since zero, meaning his zero. And he's at like five and he got an offer, a ridiculous offer, like more than 10x. But he's like, I don't know. I don't know if I want to like sell. And I'm like, dude, it's more than 10x. And like, I gave him the framework of like, is your life going to change? Your life is obviously going to change with that amount. And 100% ownership, him and his wife. But like, you know, what's it going to look like? Like, what is your going to do? Like, would you wake up and start the same company? And he's like, yeah, I would. And I'm like, yeah, but like, this is a lot of money. Like, this is like, generational wealth, blah, 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 blah. But it was kind of interesting because I was like, oh man, you mother trucker, just in terms of like how successful and how niche it was. Um, it was just really, really fun to look at. But anyways, what are we talking about today? Product equity. Well, I, I had one topic that I wanted to okay. talk about. That topic is, so Figma had their conference recently, the design tool, mm -hmm. and they launched something called Fig Jam. And then I tweeted about it and said, well, this is like, the beginning of this idea of these virtual whiteboards, collaborative whiteboard tools hmm. becoming going from tools like Miro and Mural. And there's a few others, but those are the two popular ones that I keep hearing about hmm. from 
large companies and small companies going from that as a tool and like a kind of a product in itself to that becoming a feature or an add-on, if you want to call it that, to another product suite. Um, and that's what happened when they launched FigJam. And it was kind of obvious because people were already trying to use Figma for those things in the way that Figma works because it is a highly collaborative tool. And so what's on my mind is just how that reminds me of how boards with Trello started, where it was Trello. So there was a space and it was literally it was just Trello because of their freemium and just timing. And at that time, like two or three or five companies don't show up all at once. Uh, it was one. And and that one looks weird for the longest time, which it still might yeah. even look weird. And how that turned into boards everywhere. Boards in Asana, boards in GitHub, boards in GitLab, boards in, I don't know, boards are everywhere, period. And then they got bought and, you know, that was a great outcome. And now that seems like that's happening in this space where this thing that's a product and has lots of features within itself is now turning into parts of other products. And it's a little confusing for me about Figma and FigJam because they didn't make it a feature. They made it a whole new kind of experience, but it's baked in. So I think they're trying to build out a product suite or it just made sense for them to do it that way, probably for a number of reasons that are obvious to them and make sense for their customers. But it's still turning this product into some form of a add-on or feature or second yeah. product or part of a product suite. And I find it just a repetitive pattern. And when I start seeing them in our space, even if they happened before, but start seeing it, I'm, I'm like, oh, okay, there's mm -hmm. a framework here. What's going to happen next? And I was excited to talk to you about that. Yeah. Also, like, not to be cliche, but like, what happens to the market demand and supply and pricing as a result of these mm. things? You know, because you're going to have thoughts on that. And I think there's lots of implications for SaaS going forward when you think about things like that. Yeah. So first, I hated the name when I first read about it. And then now I kind of like the name. Like, just classic, classic name dynamics, throw that in there. I guess you saw this also with, like, stories and things like that, like, in the social sphere, like, stories yeah, kind of coming out. Yep. I mean, I guess Big Snapchat time. was kind of, like, stories straight up, and then everyone else kind of took it over. Here's my framework for, like, thinking on this. It's, like, one, how do you identify these types of features? Like, because you should be able to absorb these types of features into your products, or you should be able to recognize you are this type of feature and therefore I think protect against it in some level. I think Trello, they didn't evolve past this and it wasn't enough of like a moat, right? And you've had this experience with like some of your reporting, like with back in the Kissmetrics days, right? Like now everyone kind of uses that style, right? It's kind of interesting to think through just around like, how do you identify it um, to absorb and or to defend against? And then I think the other thing is like you kind of said, how does this affect the market? Do you want to start maybe with the first one? Because I actually tweeted and I was half joking, but half serious about like how cool stories would be in Excel. Like I actually think that that's a genuinely good idea or like inside some sort of reporting tool. Like, yeah. Like I think it'd be interesting, right? I just think it'd be interesting because like you can provide context to things, right? And not have to do comments and things like that. But how do you identify these things? Because I think Dropbox is even one like you could look at and even, you know, Steve Jobs famously apparently said like, oh, this is a feature. It's not a product. And they're successful from any like, you know, basic standard, but from a, their peer standard, they're not as successful because of that probably. It's completely, completely based on one really, really simple thing in my mind. And it keeps like just crossing my mind every time I see these things. And it's just this idea that like, if it's good for the customer, it's just going to get copied. And if you want to unpack that, what does good for the customer mean? Customers are satisfied with it. 
customers might even be demanding it, demand that you add it or say things like, I wish the experience in your product was like this other product in this way, even though the products might not be related, right? Especially when you start doing user research, customer research interviews and stuff like that with customers and start asking them what's wrong with the experience they're having in your product and what would they like to be better? And they start usually referring to it from a feature this, feature that standpoint, whether you decipher it or not and go deeper and find, you know, the path there, obviously that's a whole genre of conversation. But like at the end of the day, your customers are saying these things, you're hearing them. That's one layer. Mm -hmm. Um, Another is they're just highly satisfied with the experience and other products that have that feature or that functionality. And the gold is either by adding that you will make more money or you will retain more people or both. And once you throw that in there, you're like, oh, wait, it makes sense why stories should be in Excel. You're going to be in Excel more (laughs) if stories are in Excel because everyone figured out that add this little circle thing at the top that does some story video thingy, make it easy for people to create these and retention or at least engagement goes up. Most likely retention goes up too because psychologically, these are circular faces at the top. Everybody gets Mm. curious to click on faces. It's a norm in consumer to think like that. Like done. It's a no brainer. I mean, if you even think about Clubhouse as a product versus a feature of other products, once you check out Clubhouse once, you kind of are familiar with that model. So they've created almost like whether it's stories or the Clubhouse features or boards or now what. I would say is the sort of collaborative whiteboarding space. It's a satisfying experience, all of those for the people Mm. using it. And it's so satisfying. They want to engage with it. So satisfying that your retention will go up if you introduce those things in the correct ways, like all those, like it's not that like clubhouse has to be the winner here for me to prove out that this is true. People like it enough that people are coming back to it. Millions of people have signed up for it now. Right. And like, there's, experiences people are talking about and nobody wants one company to own the thing like nobody meaning every company wants to own it thus every company tries to own it now and and the lessons are from facebook they Mm. tried to own stories for two and a half three years with a high level of conviction before they were able to crack the nut on how to own it and what i mean by that is they tried many attempts at copying it outside of their core products and then they just said screw it we're going to put it in the core products. Whatever lessons they learned along the way led them to that conclusion. And now stories is ubiquitous with Instagram, not Snapchat. Yeah, so, it took me a second to actually remember that it was Snapchat who came up with it first. Like There you go, right? And describing that, it, yeah. That's a move and a half. The thing that hasn't happened in B2B, I haven't seen as much of that. For example, when you think of boards, Trello still comes to mind pretty quickly. Mm. I don't even remember anymore what products have boards, but I know for yeah. sure that Trello started it. To come back to the framework, it's anything that you could imagine, either category type products or even similar products, adding the same thing. It's a little bit of a dangerous way to think about it because if you have a vision beyond that, you know, you might be like, oh, I can't start because all Facebook could build it. You know, the stupid arguments that a lot of people make, they're not stupid, but you get what I'm saying. Yeah, that might be the way to think about it because I think Clubhouse is in trouble. Like I think Clubhouse, just from an innate product perspective, I think they're in trouble and then I think all of a sudden what's going to start happening is like everyone's thinking about adding it or they have teams adding it. And I don't know, we go back to our conversation we had about Twitter and like their Patreon super follow thing that's coming. It's like, if I'm already on Twitter, like why do I want to go to another thing like Clubhouse, right? Like unless it's super unique. And there was a room the other day someone tweeted about and had, I can't remember who, they had a couple of like famous people in it, like super famous, probably not like Elon Musk level, but like 
Justin Bieber level, I guess. I don't know. It might have actually been Justin Bieber. And it had like nice. less than a thousand people in the room, which feels cool, right? Because it's like very oh, cool. That's awesome. I've been in I've been in some of those rooms where you're just like, I can't believe I'm in a room and there's less than a thousand people here. Like Oprah was in a room. Totally. I don't remember how many people, but it wasn't as it wasn't many. The Five thousand right? max or whatever. But yeah. then it's like, yeah, but if you take a step back, that's not good for Clubhouse, right? Like unless people are using it in a way to like bring in their fans or something like that. And they're just too far behind, I think, in some of these things. I don't know. Like you raise a good amount of money, it's hard. But I think that's the thing to think about is like how quickly can people add this elsewhere? And even will they think to add it? Because I think there's sometimes like with boards, it took a little while for people to add it. Like people were kind of like, oh, this is dumb, right? Like I, I remember talking to some people who eventually did ad boards and that's that's how they refer to it. They were other project management people. And I don't know how you build that type that, of that, That's why it yeah. looks like a feature. That's why it looks like a feature early on because it's like, hey, this is dumb. And also like the logical descriptions of these things don't land well early on. So if you the logical description of Clubhouse is like, yeah, people just get on audio on their phone and just like chit chat and other people listen to them. Doesn't sound right. Doesn't sound like people would do it, but the experience that people have is what causes them to want more of that experience. And I yeah. believe that ends up being latent demand with some of these features or some of these early products that can be expanded into other places. And mm. so it's really for the product person, founders, whoever is caring about this stuff to really think through what else is happening in the market in terms of the category I'm in or the functionality people expect. And then what can we do about it? So to me, I think the collaborative whiteboarding is one where like, there isn't a lot of reason why we shouldn't see it in more products. For example, like why isn't Canva collaborative in the way Figma is today? Yeah. Is that the next thing they could introduce that's going to help them? I don't know yet because they have a brilliant business that is just built on something different, but that's an interesting thought process in, in kind of what I think a lot of people are going to go through now, now that Fig Jam is out, now that you know we are talking about Trello, because the thing is, think about a PM too, right? I mean, so many have put video on their roadmap and it's been shipping, right? Like more and more products have video. There's more APIs to help you add video to your product much easier. There's a bunch of APIs to add some of this collaborative stuff. What ends up happening is these end up being like easy product wins. Hmm. At least a lot of them have that impression. And so then when you have an effect where like, if it's an easy product win, why wouldn't you slot it in and get it done? knock it out kind of thing, especially if the expectations are evolving in your market or with just SaaS tools in general. I do think that it does get kind of interesting with like, I think you're totally right, like whiteboards and such on some level, like there's a lot of products those should be in. There's a lot of products that like would actually be so much better with that, right? Like every time, you know, and it's probably better for me not to have to open Miro in addition to whatever app I'm trying to use and trying to figure that all out, right? But Miro will end up having like most of the features, right? Because this is kind of like their core. And so there's also like these other apps that are coming out to add audio or add video to like regular B2B SaaS products. And so I do think that there's these, these middleware type products that aren't quite infrastructure, but aren't quite like the actual thing that you're building that help you aid. And I think that we've seen this time and time again with like finance products and with, you know, billing and all these other things. But I think we're now going to see it more and more with the actual experience. Because it used to be like, I don't want to add that thing 
because that's going to take away from the experience. We don't control it. Like, I don't want to add this particular, you know, product because of some other reason. And it'll be interesting to see like the ecosystem that kind of builds around this for adding social audio to a bunch of different products or adding, you know, whiteboards to different products. But yeah, yeah. just kind of violently agreeing with you. Yeah. And we all have to pay attention to it. I think that's the, that's the part that like sort of coming to terms with this is a reality. If you don't do these kind of things, then your options get limited on how you expand your product offering. And these kind of things, meaning like thinking through like what can you add that's becoming popular or becoming like kind of more of a norm. Like boards Mm -hmm. are a norm now. Like I see them in a lot of products. I don't know if whiteboarding is as ubiquitous Mm -hmm. of a utility, but I think that if you have a collaborative product, you're thinking about it. And, and, And if you expand that thought, almost like I actually think Figma is a good example of a collaborative editor that is the evolution, kind of what was started with Google Docs and collaborative editing there, where in real time, you can see who's in it and what they're doing. That's really kind of the paradigm. I think whiteboarding is one use case. The core Figma product of like designing is another. But then there's other use cases that you could see like collaborative video editing in a similar manner, for example. Right? I know that might mm-hmm. get really crazy, but like that's like just conceptually speaking. I think this is more about collaborative features mm-hmm. now more than anything else in this category. Trello was obviously not exactly about collaborative features and more about organizing, like a better way to organize information and let someone have control over organizing it. And then I look at like this one and I just look at it like our future is completely low friction collaboration, as low friction as possible. Like that's just where we're at in the world. Like the technology we're building, the things we need to basically make sure that we're sort of Mm. able to have that experience of collaboration without having to be in person like all these things are kind of moved us forward i think it's on people's minds how do we make experiences product peoples in particular how do we make these experiences much easier lower friction for people to communicate and share what they Mm -hmm. want to share and i think that has a ton of implications and i think about this stuff a lot so this is something that's been on my mind quite a bit because like a lot of areas we focus on at my company have to do with the fact that there's all the all the SaaS running around and there's also a lot of collaboration going on. And so I look at this and that's the way I would expand this, which is like the features are actually around collaboration that when you see an innovation there, you're probably going to want to double down on it. I would almost say that like if Stuart Butterfield, CEO of Slack has come out and said, Hey, we're going to add clubhouse like functionality to Slack. Even that one has to do with collaboration then and in business use cases. In fact, a lot of clubhouse is also business use cases. Like there's, there's like a whole crew of like CISOs, chief information security officers that have run like various like weekly events on there, for example. And you just hear them talk about the problems. You even hear them talk about like people that want to get into kind of being CISOs and being information security experts and having that profession, not having it to start. And like, I'm just seeing a lot of certain things like that. So it kind of almost feels natural that you'll see that feature in more products that are even B2B. In fact, I think because it's audio and not video, we're likely to see more traction with the Clubhouse-like features in B2B products than we are to with yeah. more video in B2B products. I mean, the thesis of Clubhouse actually works really well with the thesis of Slack in some cases, like not the social aspect, but like hitting slash Zoom, clicking the button, getting on it, make sure your camera's good, all that kind of stuff. It sounds ridiculous to say that that is too much, but it's like, if it's as simple as just entering the room that's different like that shortens the cycle and it makes it easier it's like the equivalent of like 
having to use like snag it versus just like, you know, command shift, you know, four to like copy and paste something. It's just fascinating. The merger, the merger I wanted to see was Zoom and Slack. Yeah, that would have been interesting. That's the merger I wanted to see. But I think like the Salesforce one makes a lot of sense. But the one I wanted to see was Zoom. I, I mean, what you're saying is just Slack's total miss. Any which way you look at it. Like, I can't believe it. That being said, I, I was trying to use Google Meet this morning and I had to switch to Zoom. I think the tech might be I never, actually ever a, a moat. have a, a moat. experiences with them. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Unfortunately, I had to because I couldn't see oh, anyone's I know. faces. I Someone sent I couldn't me see Skype anyone's video. the other day. Someone they sent what? me Skype the other day, a Skype thing, and I had to re-download it and it was kind of annoying, but it still holds up, man. I have a tweet in the hopper just because I thought of this and just didn't feel like sending it at the time, but it's like, I remember when Skype felt like the future. It's like ingrained in my head because I started out doing remote work and like working with people across the world and we had Skype and it was great. It was great mm. back then and I think it's still great. Yeah, It's not something I use on a weekly basis just because there's people I know. In fact, like a lot older people than me that I talk to and it's on Skype. Now Fig Jam, they included this as a separate product, not as like an add-on. Well, I guess it's an add-on from like a cross-sell perspective, but like does this sneak into... Figma Prime or, you know, core Figma? Like, do you think the whiteboard does? I mean, I, I do see the other use cases and I guess I'm going to talk my way into an answer here actually, because I think that Go for it. it's a bit different for each company, but this is a bit of a heuristic. When 40% or less of people use a feature or functionality, that's when you want to pull it out or at least have a candidate to pull it out and make it an add-on. Sometimes that's just an add-on though, meaning like the reporting add-on or the priority support add-on. And other times it's like a whole featured product. What I realized with FigJam is like, it's almost as if I could see, you know, 60 to 80% of people using this in their Figma experience, right? And so I worry like there is a bunch of use cases that have nothing to do with Figma but the experience between these two products is probably going to be really tight. So they got really smart and interesting about this in how they incorporated it. So now when I see the new button, it is a drop down, and it says design file or fig jam mm. file. Yeah. And it good. says it's in beta right now, whatever. And then I click it and I'm in a familiar interface, but with those dots, because that's what the norm mm. in this experience is. And they give me a little things to do, but like all that stuff is just like everyone else, but like figmified, right? Nothing abnormal there. So I almost feel like they're opening up a lot of different opportunities and are setting themselves up to have more file types, for example. And they're mm. just ca calling this a fig jam, just a file type. Theoretically in the next 18 months, it's probably going to be more than that, but fig jam could overtake Figma in terms of usage. That's what's interesting about this is like they just basically open up. Yeah, open the TAM. User yeah, just, just got the yeah. other type of users and they Anyone were already- got to collaborate, which is interesting. They're already in a good spot between design and marketing. So we always think about design and product, but what about design and marketing? So there's design yeah. and product, which is collaborative. And a lot of times design is on product team. I get it, fine. But then there's design and marketing. And some designers are a marketing team too. They're the marketing designer, et cetera, right? So now they've basically just creeped into, if they had product and they have design, now they creep right into marketing. And marketing was already using the product. They already had the adjacency because designers were making marketers use the product. So yeah. now they have something that marketers use a lot more. And I pick on marketers here because like, yeah, the collaborative whiteboarding is a marketer thing more than a other parts of the company thing. Right. And Figma's already got other parts of the company. So they're going to get that usage. So now they open up the marketing use cases even more, I would say, as a result of this. 
I mean, Discord kind of did this. They went from a niche kind of audience to larger, but they didn't really change the, uh, they kind of changed the product a little bit, I guess. I don't know. I think it's a really good market dynamic. I do foresee that if this market continues to develop the way it is, this could be a much larger product than Figma, like much, much larger product. I think the only thing is, is like, are they going to want to take it to like the Miro level? Like, are they going to want to take it to this place of like full productivity, collaboration, project manager type product? And I don't foresee that happening. I love it when you just are able to, with a pretty simplistic move, plant a seed and then you can decide what kind of plant it is and how big you get to grow it. But the seed is planted and it's put in in an elegant way in the core product. It's more of an adjacent feature, but it's highlighted and it doesn't feel adjacent anymore with Mm -hmm. the way they've incorporated it. So I actually now feel like they're trying to featureify it when I think about how they've implemented it. And so on the marketing, they've kind of called it a second product. Like roughly speaking, that's like the impression you get. But when you're in the product experience, it's so easy to create a new one of either one from the dashboard. Mm. And you get to see both types sit in one place. So they're basically also consolidating now. Yeah, I mean, it just depends on how much of the Miro robustness companies are going to want and whether this replaces how many of those use cases FigJam really replaces. Yeah. And it probably replaces like like it's the 80-20 side of it, I think. Can they be a big player in this market too while having, you know, an 80% experience and not having the 20%? And in fact, like they have cash and capital. A lot of this is just a matter of staffing and priorities, of course. Yeah. I do think that their pricing follows, though. It's basically free right now. I think they said in 2022 they're going to start charging, and it's going to be probably 8 and $15 per editor per month, uh, sure. which is cheaper than I think their other pricing is like 10 to 15 or like 50 or something like that per month for the actual like designer Figma product. And so I don't know if this is part of a larger plan. Like it's got to be a part of a larger plan in some case, but I don't know if it's just part of a larger plan for like money and it turns into a larger plan about like, you know, where they're going to take the product. They're going to take this into this general TAM. They can go deep on that to take on Miro, et cetera, and this market will grow over time. But then do they start to go into niches similar to designers? I don't know. And I have, I don't know enough about Figma to know if anything's ever been said about that, but that's, that's what gets me most excited about this. I love that take. All right. I don't know if I have anything else on this one. Do you got anything on this? No. The last thing I would say from a pricing perspective, because I'm a broken record, this is the future. Multi-product is the future. It already was the future, but it's starting to become the future more. Just to give you some factoids, we are now seeing more and more companies become multi-product closer to the $10 million mark rather than the $100 million mark, which is where most people waited until. And when companies are multi-product growing from 10 to 100, they tend to have 30% higher growth rates on a relative basis than those who are single product going from 10 to 100. And that's why they're doing it. Because typically by 10 million, you end up having sales infrastructure, product infrastructure, all kind of in place. And then you're kind of taking those skills and replicating them. I think we went multi-product a little too early because we also added the free element. We didn't know it was going to be free when we started doing it. I would wait till like five to 10 and then I would just start going all in on it. Yeah, all these things are easy to say, hard to actually go execute and time right because a lot of them are also respective of the market. But I think ultimately like, yeah, you're right. I don't know the heuristics well enough, but you're right. And you need to design your team so you can do that. I think that's the bigger challenge. 
Yeah. I think a lot of times the companies were waiting because they just couldn't do it. Yeah, I think that's fair. A lot of it's like tech debt and all the weeds of org structure and stuff like that. I like your heuristics. They're great. I hope we see more of this. I mean, this is where SaaS is going, right? Like lots of products, lots of features. Find the one that yeah. fits for you. <laughs> all the things. All Pretty right, much. Man. Anything else you want to chat through? No, Anything I don't think so. On? How about you? I'm just tired. I'm ready for some rest. Are you going to get any? You got Tuesday. any plan? Not really. And I don't want to tip my hand. Jenny is going to be out of town for two weeks. And so I feel like I'll get some rest. Not because like she's arduous by any means as a partner, but it's just a little bit easier because you can kind of do what you want. But I think I'm trying to schedule some vacation. We had to crack this like calls thing that I've been texting you every Friday about just jazzed. Um, and since we've kind of cracked it, I feel like I can step away for some time and not break things and keep the momentum. So I don't know. That's the one thing about growing and moving is like, there's never a real time because it's either terrible and you're like, crap, I really can't leave right now because we have to figure this out. Or it's so good. You're like, no, I don't want to miss this. You know, I don't want to, I don't want to miss it. Like I've, I've definitely canceled vacations because it was feeling exciting and I didn't want to miss it. And that's like dumbest thing to do is just take the time there. Cause it's always going to be there when you get back. Same thing with the problems really, but sometimes. Yeah. But someone has problem, to deal with them and that's where the problems get. Yeah. And sometimes harder. the problems aren't like, you know, sometimes we think that they're bigger than they are and all this other stuff, but yeah, it's interesting. So we talked about multi-product today, not only multi-product, multi-feature, multi-product, product expansion, how that's happening features. faster than ever. The product problem is not, you know, it's basically boiled down to not only do you have to figure out how to get people to use your product and get value from it, but now you might have to add all of this other functionality that seems like it doesn't have to anything to do with your product, but is tangential in a way that, you know, people are going to start expecting it, which I think is a very exciting time for users. And we're going to see some products like they're going to be like, why is it? Oh, that makes sense. That makes sense. Similar to like stories inside Excel. I'm really excited for that day to come. They're going to add it at some point. They have every other feature, so they need to add it. <laughs> That's the one I'm waiting for too. When they add it, you will be vindicated. Yeah, yeah. We'll see. All right, man. We'll see you next week. See ya. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd really appreciate it if you left a five-star review of this podcast or the equivalent rating wherever you listen or watch. Also, make sure to subscribe to and tell your friends about Tradeoffs, a podcast from ProfitWell Recur, the largest, fastest growing media network dedicated to the world of subscriptions. 